Thanks for pressing play. Our guest today is my friend, an entrepreneur who I respect deeply and admire deeply. And her name is Brittany Fuse. And what you're about to hear is an extraordinarily powerful example of what a mission-driven founder is. Someone with a point of view. Someone who wants to move the world from the way it is to a new and different place. You see, when Brittany was trying to have a baby for the first time, uh, she was having some difficulty. So she went to work. And she uh, went to work specifically on improving her diet. And as she did that she discovered some huge, horrible problems with some of the major categories of alternate milk, including oat milk and almond milk. So she got busy in her kitchen. If you've ever wanted to take on industry giants, fix a problem that you think someone else should fix and create a different future in the process, you are going to love everything about this dialogue and Brittany. And pay special attention to what Brittany does when she's in a grocery store. It's one of the simplest, smartest guerrilla marketing techniques I've ever heard. And uh, it's important for you to know that Brittany and I are friends, and I am both an advisor and investor in Malibu Milk. If you're a regular listener, you know that I don't do that very often anymore. I am mostly retired from uh, advising startups. Um, but every once in a while, I still do get involved with one. And uh, Brittany is a great example of um, one I've gotten involved with recently. And when you get to meet her in this conversation, you'll know exactly why. This is Christopher Lockett, Follow Your Different Podcast Magazine, says we are, quote, the best business podcast. And some podcast reviewers call us overrated, not worth it, and offensive. No matter what you call us, we are the real dialogue podcast for people who value real, different dialogue. Our friends at NetSuite are the world's number one cloud ERP system, and they are the platform you need for building a legendary business. Check out netsuite.com slash different today. That's netsuite.com slash different. And my friends at HalloApp are creating a whole new category of application for us to connect with each other on our mobile phones in a private, authentic way where we are not the product. So if you believe in real relationships, in real private, check out H-A-L-L-O-A-P-P.com today or search Hallow app on your smartphone uh, and download the app right there. And um, I also want to tell you about our newsletter, Category Pirates. Uh, it's sort of like the Harvard Business Review if it was written for and by pirates. So go to CategoryPirates.com and subscribe today. Now, hey-ho, Let's go. Well, Brittany, it sure is great to see you. Nice to see you. You're back home now? Yes. Jet lagged, but back home. Excellent. So, um... One of the things I'm curious about is uh, you, were you working at Yelp when you started uh, Malibu Milk? Am I remembering this right? No, I had, I had actually finished at Yelp about, well, it's actually a rather complicated question. When I was working at Yelp, I had the idea for Malibu Milk. That was in March of 2018. Um, I finished up at Yelp in April. And I had already started, I had hired a graphic designer to come up with like a logo. I knew I wanted to call it Malibu Milk, but I didn't really dig in full time until I was done with Yelp, which was in May of 2018. Got it. Tell me about sort of the spark of the idea. Every entrepreneur has a, a moment or a series of moments an aha moment where you go, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. um, I always like to quote the big Lebowski on this. This aggression will not stand, man. And they decide <laughs> to get busy. And so uh, tell me about yeah. um, that moment or series of moments for you. Um, I think it goes way back to childhood for me. My parents were both entrepreneurs. I saw them build a business. My, you know, my whole upbringing, they were building a business. So I caught the bug early on. And my husband is an entrepreneur. And I took entrepreneurship at Georgetown where I studied business. I knew that I wanted my own business. But figuring out what that business was and, you know, 
what made sense was really difficult for me. And I came up with several different ideas over the years and I would take them to my husband. I'd say, Oh, you know, what do you think about this? And he'd say, no, no, <laughs> no, keep, keep working at it. Nope. Not, not there yet. And then, um, it all kind of came together because in, in 2018, we decided we were ready to start trying for a baby and trying to get pregnant. And, you know, like a lot of other young couples, um, it wasn't easy for us. And there were some challenges and I ended up going to see a fertility doctor and she recommended that I try this really strict diet called an elimination diet or an autoimmune protocol. And I had to eliminate all major allergens. She thought that there might be some inflammation in my body. So I eliminated dairy, nuts, gluten, soy, eggs. Um, I felt there, like there was literally nothing left to eat except for protein and vegetables. Yeah, I was about to ask, what, what do you literally. got, raw vegetables? Uh, you could have a, could you have a burger without anything? Without With no bun, with no cheese, sure. Yeah, <laughs> nice uh, plain old beef patty. Um, I got really lean, as you can imagine, eating that way. Well, and you're not exactly the largest person in the world to no. begin with, right? No, right, right. So I, and I went looking for a milk alternative and I'm, I'm browsing the aisles of the local store. And when you can't have dairy and you can't have nuts and you can't have soy and you can't have gluten, there's nothing left. There's no milk options. And I realize, like, so I just want to make sure one, I understand. I hate to interrupt you, yeah. Brittany, but when you're doing a radical elimination diet like this, even all the newfangled plant-based milks, there still wasn't one that that fit into this. They're not allergen free. So I, I was literally driving in the car one day. I remember it vividly because I was driving past downtown LA and I thought, what if I make milk from flaxseed? And I had actually been working on another project at the time. I was working on this idea called Malibu meals and it was going to be gourmet frozen dinners. Um, there's a grocery store in, Fran in France that does these like really gourmet frozen foods and we don't have that here, you know? So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And then I just had this like radical idea. And I was like, no, I am done with that. I'm, and I had already kind of like, you know, I had packaging prototypes for that. Like I was moving that along. And then I was like, no, I need to make flax milk. Like it was just a sign in the sky. Like I needed to make flax milk. And so I went home that day. I pulled out my blender. I did go to culinary school many years ago. So I know how to cook. I have a pretty good palate. You're a, and you're started, a chef and you're an eater. You love food. As I am a not a chef. Well, you're a cook. I, not cook. A chef. I don't know. You tell me. I can cook. You yeah. love to cook I shit and cook. you love to eat shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm very passionate about food and beverage. So I pulled out my blender that day and I started playing with a few really simple ingredients, a whole ground flaxseed, a pinch of Himalayan salt. I was also adding a little bit of organic cinnamon powder because it gave it this really yummy flavor that kind of tastes like fall in a cup. And I, um, I thought, wow, you know, maybe this can really become something. And you're just mixing so this step up and uh, mixing it up in your kitchen. In yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, at that point I did what any aspiring entrepreneur would do. And I reached out to Whole Foods Market because I wanted to tell them about this grand idea that I had. Um, I got the email of a buyer from a friend who's in the industry and I sent a note and I said, Hey, I have this you know, Malibu milk and it's an allergen free organic flax milk um, that I use the whole ground flaxseed for it's full of nutrition. And I was shocked when the buyer said, yeah, come in next week, bring samples. I like fell off my chair. And so I, I then panicked and I called my friend and I said, you know what? I think I need to cancel this meeting. I'm not ready. I don't have understanding of distribution pricing. I don't have anything. And he, and he said, you and can't you, cancel this meeting. And you had no ability you to make never... this stuff at any you were no, in your kitchen. Scale, this no. was you in right. your kitchen. You came up with a name. Right. You were working on a formula. And ta-da, yeah. now you're going to go see Whole Foods. <laughs> yes. So I panicked. I did a crash course in food and beverage with a friend who's in the industry the day before the meeting. And I went in with little samples. I had some like mock packaging made up. I learned about margins, which is how the grocery world works. And I went in and I pitched the buyer on the dream that is now Malibu milk. And she tasted my samples and she said, well, 
I'd love to get this in stores in you know, the coming weeks. And I thought, well, I can't do the coming weeks, but we can do it in the coming months. And, and actually the timing worked out beautifully because I got to go into my first production run knowing that Whole Foods was going to be a customer. And how incredible that you would just literally show up and say, how do I do this? And I mean, this is a very similar story. Uh, have you met Kara Golden, the founder of Hintwater yes. yet? Mm-hmm. Yes. Th- yes. This is her. A couple times. Yeah. This is her story as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so how yeah. incredible that Whole Foods, at least for a while, I don't know if it's, there's, do you know, this, are they still this open? You know, everything changes so often. I, I, I think it depends, right? It's, it depends on the buyer that you get. It depends on the product that you have. It depends on so many things. So I think part of mine was luck. Part of it was, you know, the right product at the right time. But, you know, I think if you have something that you're passionate about, get it out there, you know, ask for forgiveness, not permission, fake it till you make it like that's what you have to do. And so you got uh, very far over your skis after that conversation, did you not? (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. But, you know, I, it was, it, it turned into a crash course in beverage and, you know, it was really, really, really fun, hard to find a, a manufacturer, a co-packer. Um, there aren't any that that produce my type of product. And they're all full and they're all expensive. And, you know, I finally found one and they said no. They said that they had no time. They wouldn't take me. And then I, I basically got this woman that I know, not well at all, an acquaintance who I knew was manufacturing there. I sent her a note and I said, could you please introduce me to your co-packer? Because I knew if their biggest client introduced me, they would treat me differently. Um, and then they took a meeting. And then in the meeting, I found out, you know, this co-packer, the, the, the gentleman who was running the show at the time, I figured out, you know, what kind of beer he liked. And I sent him the care package and then I got line time. And it's, you know, it's, you're going to hear a lot of no's you know, you're going to hear no again and again and again. And if you're not willing to turn it into a yes, some way or another, it won't work, you know? And I I hope there comes a day where I don't have to ask you this question, but um, did being young and being female, um, was that a disadvantage? Was it an advantage? Did you think it mattered? What, you know, did any of that play into any of this, uh, all the no's that you heard? You know, I, I don't, I don't recall a time where I felt like, oh, I'm being treated a certain way because I'm a woman or young. I think, you know, that the lack of experience in the industry made it a little harder for me. Um, People don't have as much faith when you're just coming out of left field, doing something totally different that you have no experience in. However, I think the smart, wise investors also realize that like, oh, well, this is why she's different. This is why she's doing something unique. It's because she comes from a different industry and has a different background. This is why it's exciting. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, nobody from the hotel industry created Airbnb. Right, exactly. It's a great analogy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot to be said for founder category fit, um, and, and the experience that founder has. And certainly there are many experienced founders in, in the domain that they're in that do very well. Um, that said, um, the, the, the uh, fresh eyes, the, the mind of a white belt, um, the not knowing how it's supposed to be, so therefore maybe we come up with something innovative just because you didn't know that it was supposed to be a particular way. Those things you have mm-hmm. turned into a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you had this conversation. Remind me when you had the conversation with the buyer. This was in the very end of 2018. So we launched in grocery stores. We were like really launched in Southern California by like mid to end of 2019. So the companies could really say that we've been in grocery stores now for about two years, just yeah. going on two years. Yeah. So it's still very new. Yes. And we're, we're just starting to hit the throttle, are we not? That's right. That's right. Getting revved up. And so um, here you are. Um, you and your husband are trying to have a baby. You're having some challenges getting pregnant. You go and you get on this radical diet. And in there you discover there's no milk for you. 
But you also discovered some things about almond milk and oat milk that knocked me over. As a matter of fact, I couldn't believe were legal. Um, can you kind of pa- unpack some of that stuff? Yes. And true story, Chris, when I came to, to meet you for the first time, we had a meeting at your home and I opened the fridge and you had some of these toxic chemical ridden products in your refrigerator. I did. I had toxic oat milk right there and I Mm -hmm. had probably consumed some of those toxins that morning. Yep. Yep. It must be why you're so much better looking than me because I had those, all those (laughs) oat toxins in me and you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's maybe the reason. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't realize that almonds milk and almonds in particular are a huge strain on our natural resources. So 80% of the world's almond supply are coming from the state of California. So it's a really real issue for us because we both live in this state. We're paying water bills in this state that are atrocious. And it's because the almond farmers are using 10% of our state's water supply for these almonds. And last time I checked, almonds are not a natural resource that we need. You know, they're very much optional, whereas water is something that we absolutely need. So even, you know, even more problematic than that is these almond trees are sprayed with these toxic pesticides that end up in your glass of almond milk and they are destroying the bee colonies. So almond trees require bees for pollination and they they bring in bee colonies by like the truckload which is crazy and then because of these chemicals that are sprayed on the trees the bees get very confused and then they can't find their way back to their colonies so it's the whole effect of the almonds on the environment is astonishing like they're very very bad for our for our planet and the truth is almond milk isn't really good for your body either. When you make almond milk, you blend almonds with water, you strain all the almonds out, you're left with almond flavored water. There's no nutrients. The protein is is strained out. All of the nutrition in the almonds is left in the almond pulp that is thrown out. You just have this almond filtered water that has, you know, strained California of its water supply. And like I said, doesn't really have any nutrition. But other than Um, that, it's fucking awesome. Sure. Other than that, it's great. And am I right? Um, it takes roughly uh, one gallon of um, water to make roughly one or two almonds. Is that? Am I remembering no, this right? No, you're 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 very wrong. It takes twenty gallons of water to make one glass of. Oh, so I guess yeah, one almond. Twenty gallons of water to make one glass of almond milk. It's a lot of son of a whatever. I mean. And the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe if it was nutritious and whatever, whatever, but the fact that it's chemical almond flavored water, essentially. Yeah. And are there, uh, um, uh, do they all have these nasty chemicals? Are there some that are chemical free or? Definitely organic is better. Organic almond milk should have less chemicals. Um, So if you're buying organic, you, you should fare much, much better, but you're still not going to get any nutrition and it's still harming the environment because it's the strain on, on our water resources. And then oat milk has become the rage. Uh, we, oat milk is the rage. And, and if I'm, I'm remembering this right, the FDA has found six or eight different uh, toxins in, in that stuff too. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So oat milk, I mean, if we just start out from, you know, pure, pure aesthetics, Oat milk has 160 calories, roughly a glass, seven grams of sugar per serving. Um, There's a really interesting article that compares oat milk to Coca-Cola because the sugar in oat milk is actually harder on the body than the sugar in Coca-Cola. And I think people think, oh, I'm being healthy. I'm having my oat milk. Well, you think you're being healthy when you're having a Coca-Cola? Is it Um, because of, um, is it the carbs and the way they convert to sugar? Is it something like that? Or is it something other than that? It's the process in which they manufacture or I guess process the oats and the way that it changes the sugar and the type of sugar that it becomes. And there's also a ton of carbohydrates as well. There's 16 grams of carbohydrates per serving. So again, a lot of sugar, a lot of fat no real nutrients in oat milk. Um, most oat milks are using rapeseed oil or canola oil. It's, you know, a vegetable oil that you 
do not want to be consuming in large quantities. They do that because it adds the fat so you can get froth. And a lot of people use their oat milk with coffee. Um, it gives it that thick texture that people love. But um, again, like, you know, you want to be having 160 calories a serving. Before my husband realized this he, and before I had created Malibu milk, he was drinking oat milk, started drinking oat milk, like, you know, with his daily coffee. And he put on a few pounds within like a matter of weeks and couldn't figure out what it was. It was the oat milk. As soon as he eliminated the oat milk, the, the weight fell right off. But that that stuff is sugary and most oats like over 90 percent of the oats in the u.s are covered in weed killer otherwise known as glyphosate glyphosate is a horrible toxin it's known to disrupt reproductive systems it's known to cause cancer and it is covering our country's oats so if you are you know if you're a diehard oat drinker or oat consumer, you need to shop for glyphosate-free oat milk, oat products, because otherwise it's just leaded with this stuff. Now we have an oat product at um, Malibu Milk. We have a flax oat milk. And so yes, how, what kind of, how do you source uh, oats that don't have all of this nasty? Yeah, it, it was impossible. It was literally impossible. Um, so all of Malibu Milk's products, all of our products are organic. And you know, as when I was creating this product and trying to get pregnant, I'm hyper aware of what's going into my body. And still now, you know, as a mom and my son drinks this product, like I want to know it is as clean as possible. So when I was sourcing, I, I decided I wanted to do an oat flax blend since oat is so popular. And so I went on the hunt for oats and I couldn't find any oats that were organic and glyphosate free. So I finally found an oat supplier who had the glyphosate free oats and they weren't organic. They weren't certified organic. So I made them get their certification in order to work with us. And our, <laughs> I, our oat I milk. Love, I, hey, did you, I, I love that about you. you you're mm -hmm. this, um, the way I describe you to people is uh, you're a velvet hammer. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to use that. Yeah, you're very gentle. You're very nice. You're very kind. Uh, but you're very direct and uh, we better get on it or something. So you're going to get them. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to let you know. Yep. 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 So you made them get uh, certified organic. Correct. And, um, and the product is great. The oat flax milk. So because we're using our flax with the oat, you, you get a little bit of fiber, you get a little bit of protein. Our oat is an unsweetened oat that's oil free. So our oat milk only has 45 calories, you know, low in carbs as compared to the 160 calories and 16 grams of carbs and no added sugar. So zero grams of sugar. So it's a much cleaner way to consume oat if you can't live without it. And most oat milk, that is not the case for, for that oat milk. Correct. And also the other thing you've sort of taught me a little bit about is, is these gums and other gunky things that get, so there's a bunch of shit that gets added to uh, oat milk and almond milk um, that is not necessarily yeah. awesome for us. Is that right? Am I remembering this right? Yeah, a lot of a lot of plant based milks have ingredient lists that are you know fifteen to twenty five ingredients long. We keep our ingredient list as short as possible, and we use clean, like I said, organic ingredients that are easy to understand. Um, and and it's hard. It's hard to do. You know, it's one of the things actually that we um, have kind of wrestled with is using vanilla extract versus using vanilla natural flavor. So natural flavor is something that sounds great. Oh, flavors. Oh, natural flavors. Sounds yummy. Well, the problem with natural flavors is it's a blanket term that can cover up a whole array of things that you might not want to actually consume. Animal byproducts, for example, um, so we have used natural flavors in the past, and we recently made the decision to eliminate all natural flavors from our products because it's not true to our brand. We want to be transparent. We want to our customers to be able to really, you know, trust and believe in our products. And, and we want it to be as close to the homemade thing as possible. No one's using natural flavors in their kitchen. They're using vanilla extract. So we switched back to vanilla extract, super expensive Um and, and hard can, to get, excuse but, my ignorance. Is that organic extract or? Yep. Yep. And it's super, super pricey. It's actually costs more by the pound than sterling silver at the moment. But, you know, 
again, for us, it's about as few ingredients as possible. Um, no oils. Oils are a really common thing to add to these milks because, again, it gives it that body um, and that mouthfeel. But the really interesting thing about flaxseed is it's an emulsifier. So all on its own, you're getting a, a mouthfeel from flax because it creates that nice thick texture and we're using the whole ground seed. So that helps as well. So Malibu milk has a great thick texture all on its own. And you've educated me. I mean, I knew flax was good. I would buy, I think it's Barleen's and squirt that stuff uh, or sprinkle, mm-hmm. depending on which, which I bought and throw that onto my mm-hmm. uh, cereal every once in a while and that, that kind of stuff. So I sort of understood at some level that flax was good for you, but you've mm-hmm. given me a, an incredible uh, education. I mean, it just, it sounds like flax is a stunning, quote unquote, superfood. Mm-hmm. So it is, to use one of your words, legendary for sure. Um, it's full of fiber, full of omega-3s, highest source of vegan omega-3s, full of protein. It's great for your gut. It's great for your cholesterol. Um, it's great for skin and hair health. It really helps with so many things. But I think it's most well known for, especially the whole seed, for fiber and digestive or, or gut health, you know, it really does promote a healthy gut. And I think, you know, people have become more aware of gut health in the last call it decade or so, right? Everybody's on looking for probiotics and prebiotics and flaxseed is full of prebiotics. Now let's maybe switch to a little bit of the personal side, if you don't mind, and feel free to kick me under mm-hmm. the table if, if, if I take you somewhere you don't want to go. So here okay. you are, you're this gal trying to get pregnant with your husband having these challenges, you make these discoveries and you get busy. But at the same time, you're still trying to have a baby. And so you're trying to birth a company and a category and a baby. And oh, by the way, of course, your husband's an entrepreneur, so it's not like he's working at the DMV. And so sort of what's it like, you know, when you have a partner who's, you know, got his business and you're trying to birth a company, a category, and a person all at the same time. <laughs> oh, and by the way, somewhere in there, COVID hits. Yeah, yeah. It's it's stressful. Um, it's, it's a lot. It's exhausting. You know, something's got to give, right? So I would say, like, our social lives have taken a backseat for sure. Um, but most of the time, we're loving it. It's It's really incredible to have a husband who I can share in the ups and downs of having my own business with like he gets the um he gets the stress he gets the challenges so i can ask him for business advice you know so that's really wonderful and i also my parents had a business together and i think that's all your eggs are in one basket so that's kind of stressful and intense we have our eggs in different baskets so but we're really involved in each other's businesses because you know we are together all the time. So we, we know what's going on, but we have our own separate things and we, you know, come home at the end of the day and have different, different things to talk about. Um, but it's, it's really, really, really hard. You know, it's, I, I have moments where I feel totally overwhelmed and I don't know how, you know, how I'm going to do it all. But if I continue to take it one day at, at a time and live in the present moment and put one foot in front of the other things are moving forward and things are going well and you know now we have this beautiful happy healthy little boy who is making it all even more worthwhile he's he is uh he is pure joy and you know i think having this next step and and starting a family makes us want it even more right because now we have him, we want to provide for him. We want him to have access to the best schools. And so we're, we're both, I think, even extra motivated to, to see these businesses through. And if I was um, a younger entrepreneur who was starting a family and a business at the same time, given you're a couple years into this journey now, what are some of the learnings that you might share with me? Try to handle things with grace. It's not always easy. You know, there's going to be most entrepreneur books will tell you like, it's not a straight line, right? It's not from like here to here. It's not linear. It's, this is the, you know, it's wavy. You're in a, you're, you're in a wave pool and it's, it's, 
it's up and down and up and down and the highs are are so high and the lows are so low you know when you put your own money into something and you're paying other people who have children and families and they're counting on your paycheck and you know the the pressure is is very real and very intense um but i think if you can handle things gracefully and pause before you react too quickly and kill them with kindness you know these are all pieces of advice that have been giving given to me at one point or another in my career that i think will serve anyone starting their own business and if and if you're starting your own business and starting a family um, you are going to need to have help, whether it's from family members or, you know, a nanny or uh, a daycare. You need you need that because it's just impossible. Otherwise, we had no help during COVID for the first four months of I guess it wasn't the first four months. It was like a few months in. But from my summer, six months to 10 months, we had no help. And and it was really, really hard. Um, but believe it or not, it was some of the most successful time in my business. So I'm also the type of person of when I'm busiest, you know, and when I have just not a minute, I can be the most successful. So that old expression, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I don't know. I've just known so many extraordinary entrepreneurial and or working moms. My mom was a single mom. I, I don't know. There's a, there's a gear that, that, Many of you ladies exhibit that that seems just awe inspiring. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how, how the fuck you do it. So, how do you think about um, scaling, building the category so that 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 flax milk is a category, and this idea you have of whole plant milk uh, scales as a category, and that Malibu milk becomes you know one of the prominent um, uh, alternate milk companies on the planet? How do you think about that? I think it's about showcasing how Malibu milk is different, right? And Malibu milk is different. We're we're so different from the other plant-based milks that have come before us. And the good news is a path has been paved for plant-based milk. You know, that was paved 10, 15 years ago. 40% of households today are purchasing, I think it's actually 45% of the U.S. households are purchasing plant-based milk. So they're already in the right section of the grocery store. They're looking for healthy alternatives. They're reading nutrition labels. They are ripe for the taking. They just need a little bit of information. Um, One of the things that I've done since the beginning is demo the milk in Whole Foods. And obviously that had to stop when COVID hit, but I would stand in Whole Foods and pour little samples and, and talk about the product. And when people learn about the health benefits, you know, of flax milk, that it's low in calorie, high in fiber, high in protein, high in omega-3s, no pesticides, no toxics, to- toxic stuff. It's sustainable, which I don't even think we touched on yet, but the only water required for the flax flour is natural rainfall. You compare that to these almonds that are, you know, pushing California into more droughts. It's just mind blowing that anybody would even look twice. Like this is, it's a better flax milk is a better option for your body, for your health, a better option for our planet. Why, why wouldn't you use it? Oh, and it tastes better too. Why not choose it? So it's right now for us, it's all about education. It's helping consumers find us, letting us know letting them know that we're there, that we exist. You know, COVID brought some challenges with that, right? People weren't going to grocery stores. People are still getting a lot of their groceries delivered. It'll be really interesting to see the behaviors of, you know, of consumers as things start to normalize, if and when that ever happens. But that's why Malibu Milk is also now available on our website. And we are in shelf-stable Tetra Packs, same exact formula, same exact clean ingredients that we are shipping to your front door. It's just like the milkman of the 1930s. So this is an interesting one for me because I would consider you a native digital and you are building, of course, a business through Whole Foods and other um, uh, uh, grocery stores and chains. But a big part of the business is a direct to consumer business off of the internet 
And so how do you think about this, um, this building, this data flywheel in this direct to consumer part of your business? Because it seems pretty different for certainly a milk company or a beverage company like this. It is. Uh, and the way that came to be was, was, was funny. Um, my, my now lead investor who, who wasn't an investor yet, but when I went up to meet with him in Silicon Valley, he said, do you have, you know, are you selling this product online? And I said, well, no, you know, it's at the time, all I had was these cold plastic refrigerated bottles. And he said, I really think there's an opportunity here to sell this product online. And this was pre COVID. Right. And I said, okay. And I went home that weekend and I got on my computer and I built out a shopping section of our website all by myself on Wix.com, <laughs> set up a shopping cart. And I set up a little, you know, direct to consumer center in my garage and I started shipping Malibu milk and people were ordering it from all over the country. I couldn't believe, and I, I realized like people would find it at Whole Foods and then they would, you know, they'd be in California on a vacation or they would move to another state and they would pay anything to get this milk shipped to them in Florida or in Seattle because there's nothing like it. There's nothing that comes even close. Um, so that's how it started. And it was, boy, talk about a pain in the ass, shipping cold plastic bottles from my garage while trying to run a business. And at this point, I think I was, I was either pregnant or with a new baby. I can't remember both probably at some point. Um, and, you know, but this was the way to start it. And let me tell you, this investor was right. You know, now we have a subscription platform and we have all of these people who subscribe to the product and it's pretty incredible. And I'm someone who, yes, I'm a digital native, but the only thing that I subscribe to is diapers for my son. And so it, it even blows my mind still that there's so many people who, you know, plant-based milk is something you're going to use regularly. Most of our consumers are drinking it on its own. They're putting it in smoothies. They're putting it in cereal, coffee. The list is endless. They're baking with it. You're still cooking savory dishes with it. So they're using a lot of it. So people are subscribing and maybe they're getting their six pack every other week. Maybe they only want it once a month, but you know, the way that we have it set up, they can tailor it to their needs. They set it, they can forget it and they know it's going to be delivered and that they can count on it. And it's one less thing to deal with, you know? And how, I mean, it seems so obvious, Brittany, uh, but very few startup beverage companies or even food companies seem to be doing it. I mean, some of them now and post COVID more, but I don't know. It seems they're like, missing out. Yeah. The other, they're they, totally missing the out. other milk companies aren't really doing it. Are they? I think, you know, you can probably buy several milks on Amazon. I think some of them are doing kind of a half effort, you know, half ass effort, but this is the opportunity to know your customer. You know, we did a survey recently of several of our, what we call super consumers and getting to know these consumers and understand them on a deeper level and create more products for them that, that, you know, that they're going to love is the most valuable thing. When you only sell your products at the retail lever level, I'm sorry, you never know your consumer. The grocery store has all that information. You know, nothing. Yes. You know, it's funny. Um, um, when you're removed from your customer like that, I mean, it just changes everything. And so, so remind me, uh, what percentage of the business is direct to consumer now, Brittany? We're about 20% and it's growing every month. Yeah. And where would you, do you have an ideal sort of um, percent that you'd like it to be? Or what are your thoughts on that long-term? Long-term, at least 50-50, if not more. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. Just because it's so powerful. Now, the other thing on the personal side, I wanted to ask you, you are a um, different, unusual person in that my experience of you, and of course, we've been working together for a while now, and I feel like I know you, is mm -hmm. you're strong. You have a vision. Obviously, you're smart. You're very opinionated. Um, you're, you're typically decisive. And yet somehow at the same time, you're open to debate and discussion. You don't seem to be righteous about trying to be, you know, the right all the time or F you, I'm the founder. And, you know, as, as somebody who's an advisor, uh, I have seen you many times 
when somebody on your team or on, you know, your investors or advisors who kind of surround you suggests something, you're very open to it in a way that people who are as opinionated, who have such a strong vision, often are not. Um, is this something you've thought about or where does this come from? You know, two heads are better than one. And I was doing this alone for so long. It felt like an eternity, you know, when I got started and I had no one to run ideas by or, you know, think things through with. And I have now surrounded myself with people whom I feel very fortunate to have their wisdom, their experience. Um, and so I want to make the best use of that. You know, there, you can't do it yourself. Good luck. You know, you have to, you have to have a team. And I think building a team of the right investors, the right advisors, um, the right employees, you know, creating the right culture, it's of incredible importance. And so as I've worked so hard for these relationships and to find these experts and cultivate these relationships, I'm so grateful for their feedback. And, you know, it's hard when you get conflicting advice from people that are really smart and really, you know, for example, this vanilla thing, like going from the flavors to the extract, it wasn't an obvious choice. And maybe it sounds obvious, but you know, we were using natural flavors that I sourced, that I knew were clean, that I knew were vegan and organic. Now, does the customer know that? You know, it's not it's not that clear, right? Because it just says natural flavors. But it was a really expensive decision to switch to vanilla extract. And it's not a cost that I was comfortable putting on the consumer because it's not their decision. It's my decision. Um, so it's one of those decisions that I leaned on my team for. And they really pushed for the extract. You know, they really wanted because they believe in this brand that I've created. And, and so, you know, it's, it's things like that. It's, it's, um, you have to be open to listening to these people that you bring around you. you you'll fail. Otherwise there's just no other way. And, and, and thank you for that. And I've been, uh, really super impressed with the team, uh, obviously incredible investors, advisors, and, um, and people who are actually on the team. I mean, I, I have not met yet anybody who isn't strong and, and valuable or any, or said in the negative, anybody who's kind of weak or you kind of go, why is this person around? And so how do you think about sort of building a team of investors, advisors, uh, colleagues that are like that? I think leading by example, particularly for your colleagues is really important. You know, in the start of the company, like I said, I was shipping bottles out of my garage in FedEx. There's one of the um, kind of team ethos that we have is there's no task too small. So when there was a labeling error on our bottles and the wrong Best Buy date had been printed for our first manufacturing run, and at three in the morning, I had to go with a label gun down to our distributor, distributor and relabel must have been like 5,000 bottles. So I had like, you know, one of those plastic label guns and I'm down there at three. And those are the sort of things that like when your team members see that you're doing as the founder, you know, it gives them, I think that grit or motivation to, to do it themselves. And, and for the investors um, and advisors, I actually think that's a little bit harder, right? Because you don't necessarily always get to know an investor or an advisor advisor before you bring them on. Um, but I would say take your time because getting to know them is so important and, you know, don't rush into it. And I, I know that's easier said than done because, you know, if your company needs money and my company did, you know, it needed money several months ago. Um, and I went into some debt and like, that was just the re reality of it. And I was, trying to decide between two different investors. And I was having a horrible time with it because it was very confusing to me. And, and I knew, you know, one of the options better than the other, at least I thought I did. And that option was in the beverage world. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, 
And I'm sure both options would have ended up okay down the long, the long road. But for me, as I got to know the current investor that I have now, and, and it's funny because I, I actually had told him like, I'm not going to work with you. I'm pregnant. I had, you know, I, I was newly pregnant and I just felt like it was a little riskier. I didn't know him as well. He was from the VC world. I didn't feel like he understood beverage as well. And, and I felt like I'm just going to let him know I'm pregnant and he'll, he'll let me go. He'll let me go on my way. And, and when I told him I was pregnant, and this is really interesting because I've heard the opposite from many other, you know, women founders, like don't tell anyone that you're raising money that you're pregnant. Don't tell them, tell them after you don't want that to affect your fundraising. People are going to think you're not going to work. This investor had the complete opposite reaction. He was ecstatic when he found out I was pregnant. And he said, you know, you think you work hard now, wait until this little baby comes into the world because you are going to have more motivation than you've ever had before. And he, he was so supportive of the pregnancy and of me being a mom founder that I, all of a sudden I just felt like I have to work with this person. Like there was this, you know, intimate level of understanding. He's a father, he has three, three girls. And I just felt so understood in that moment that that ultimately was what made the decision for me was his reaction to that news. And I, and it would, it couldn't have been different from what I expected. And yet, you know, here we are. And, and it, and it was, it was such a welcome surprise. Now, of course, I'm not surprised at all because I know this individual well, and obviously that's how we met. However, the interesting thing, and you may not be quite as tuned to it because you're not in the Silicon Valley echo chamber, but for several years now, there's been a lot of negativity about the bro culture, tech bros, and obviously there's been a lot of really bad behavior. So some of the criticism and a lot of the criticism is probably warranted. But you, you, it has created a picture over time of, oh, these, you know, rich dudes uh, in Silicon Valley and they're racist and sexist and whateverist. And it's just a bunch of tech bros uh, and they're all assholes and, and they're pejorative towards women and so forth. And yet in this case, not so much. Right. No, that hasn't been my experience at all. Um, and and I feel lucky, but I also have worked for it, right? Like, you know, fate will take you so far, but it's, I love that saying, it's when preparation meets opportunity. Well, and candidly, as an advisor, I'll tell you, you earn our admiration um, and support and commitment in every call we ever do, just by doing what you do. I mean, I get off every call and I say... Um, you know, to my wife, wow, I'm so, so stoked to be working with Brittany. What a team, what an opportunity, what a product. Of course, an opportunity to create a giant consumer category is always a fun thing for me. Um, but you earn it every time. And so, um, yes, in the case of your investor, he had a very powerful mindset around this, uh, and, and was not the, the, the stereotypical, um, thing that sometimes we hear, but at the same time, Brittany, I mean, Come on, woman. <laughs> you earn it every time. I mean, you're incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so um, it seems like now is a time of radical category and product and technology innovation in the food world. And it seems yeah. like a lot of us are trying to wake up and go, you know, I, I, I don't know why we live in a world where whether it's our federal government or our state government allows these toxic chemicals to be served up to us, but they do. And so, you know, we hear a lot about farm to table and we hear a lot about buy local and we've seen the explosion in farmers markets and things along these lines as people try to eat more uh, healthy and be cl- more clear about what they put in their their, their bodies and gut health and all of these things. What do you see, you know, in the near to mid future in terms of innovation in the food space? It's a really exciting time because, you know, when I was growing up, I was born in the, in the mid eighties and I had TV are, dinners. Are you trying I to kill me, them. Brittany? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was, you know, I would have TV dinners. I would have Lunchables. These are things that are highly processed foods, you know, they're not real food. They're not real food. And this is food that I grew up on. And 
milk laden with hormones. And so it's a really exciting time that the consumer is aware that there are cleaner, healthier options, that there are real food options, that the manufacturers, that the, the businesses like mine, that we are creating these options that are healthy and organic and, you know, sourcing from good suppliers and, and, you know, care, caring about the sustainability of our planet, caring about the whole chain that, you know, leads us to our end product. I think it's just an incredible opportunity. And, you know, we're, we're, we're taking moves in the right direction. Huge companies are, you know, buying smaller organic brands and helping them build out into, you know, yet to blow up. And, and it's, it's a wonderful thing because we want good, clean, healthy food to be available for all, right? Not just at the expensive premium grocery stores. We want it to be available to the mass market because healthy food is something that we all have a right to. Yes. And of course, the more um, these kinds of foods and beverages, uh, these categories expand, hopefully the price will come down overall. Like if it took, if it was that hard to find the oat supplier that you wanted to because you wanted it to be clean, but now you're buying from this person, this company, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. now this yep. person has a bigger market because you're creating the category. And so, right. uh, you know, we always say around here, new categories create new categories, right? And so right. do you see this uh, sort of domino effect happening? Sure. And I think, you know, what's it saying? All tides rise the boat, something, uh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? A high tide, a high tide rises, all ships, all boats. Yes. Something like that. So I welcome more clean milks. I welcome more flax products. I, I want our world, our, our country to have access to healthier food all the time. And I want my son to go to school and the school lunches to be you know, food that I don't need to worry about, you know, toxic crap in it. Um, so I, th I think, yes, we're, we're moving in that direction. It's becoming more the norm. Consumers are becoming more and more educated. Random grocery stores in the middle of the country are carrying organic products and consumers are shopping for it. So there, the demand is growing and that's where it has to start. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I do a podcast from time to time with the folks at Mayfield Capital called Conscious VC. And we had the mm -hmm. founder of uh, Grove Collective on uh, and they do that. All their products are natural and organic and, you know, they're trying to do all the right things. Right. And it's home, home right. products, you know, cleaning products, uh, that kind of uh, home care products. I think they have cool. yeah. self-care products. Anyway, it's all along those lines. And one of the things he shared that I was really surprised to hear about is, um, and maybe I'm just an idiot who's lived on the left coast too long, but a massive percentage of their business is not in, in New York and, and, and San Francisco, a massive percentage of it is in the middle of the country. And, you know, he was educating us that um, this aha is happening all across the United States. That's what's important, right? It started on the coast as these things typically do, but now it's all, it's, it's all over the whole country. And we're shipping milk to the entire country. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, we hear a lot today about imposter syndrome and there's books written about it. And every five seconds, some stupid third tier business publication. And how do I, how do I overcome imposter syndrome? And so um, one could look at you and say, you know, younger entrepreneur, uh, never done this before, first time out, never been in beverage before. It's not like you worked at some legendary beverage company um, right? And, and could look at you and go, oh, well, she should be having imposter syndrome all day, every day. I'm curious how you think about that or, or if you think about that. I don't think about it. I think it's a waste of time. <laughs> I'm focused on what I'm doing and what I'm building and spreading the word and, and that's all. Amen. Hallelujah, sister. And then another one I have for you that um, is, uh, is uh, I'm apt to say the E in CEO stands for evangelist. And that CEOs today can't sort of hide behind a corporation or, or their brand. And particularly if you're going to create and design a category, the founder CEO has to be out there evangelizing the category. And obviously, you're a legendary evangelist for for the category and the company. I'm curious how you think about 
being an evangelist and, you know, this phrase we hear a lot today, quote unquote, putting yourself out there? Oh, sure. I'll give you the perfect example. Uh, Every time I go to a grocery store, which is a lot, I probably go to a grocery store five times a week, um, partially because I've got too much going on to like plan ahead for like groceries for the week. And we eat a lot of food in this house. We just always seem to be running out of things. Every time I am in a grocery store, you know, here locally, I buy a bottle of Malibu milk and I give it to somebody else checking out in the, in the grocery store. I introduce myself. I explain how Malibu milk is different, you know, quick 10 second. Let me tell you why this is special. And I think that's the perfect example. You know, it's, it's real. It's, and I, my picture's on the side of the bottle. So I'll, hi, I'm Brittany. This is my product. I always buy a bottle when I'm in the store. Listen, it's COVID, right? So you, you don't know how people are going to react. The reactions that I get to this are incredible. You know, I've had people say, I've seen this. I saw this on social media. I've wanted to try it. Or I've had people say, I've had this. I love this. You know, thank you so much. I, I had a high schooler kid that said, wow, this is the coolest marketing thing I've ever seen. Like, uh, and then, you know, m- more recently, I found an advisor that way. He ended up being a huge celebrity health and wellness expert. I had no idea who he was. I was just buying him a bottle of milk because he had an oat milk in his cart. And so, you know, I think when people think of the word evangelize, it it sounds intimidating and it sounds big and you need to be on a TV show or a podcast or whatever. And it's not about that. It's about in your everyday life, how can you share with the world how special your product is? And, and I'm sure that some of these people who I've bought a bottle for have become some of our regulars. What a cool story that you're in a grocery store and the founder buys you. I would love that to happen to me, you know? It would sell me. So It's funny. You do shit like that all the time. The other one I love that you do is uh, you'll respond to customer complaints or customer all day long. Uh, emails, yes. and st- positive, negative, and yes. in between. Yes? Yes. All day long. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the customer feedback emails. We send a note to all of our online orders. Um, you know, thank you so much for your order. If you have any thoughts at all, shoot me a note. So I get those emails and, and people will send feedback. Oh, I love that. A lot of times it's just positive, you know, or maybe something was wrong with the shipping. And so they're saying, but it, I, I love touching, having that touch point with the consumer. I ask them where they found out about us, how they're using the product. It's an opportunity to learn. Every time you talk to a consumer is an opportunity to learn. Well, and Malibu milk is scaling at a pretty extraordinary rate. Uh, it, how do you, how do you, <laughs> <laughs> How do you think you're going to manage to do this, these kinds of things uh, going gonna forward? It's going to get harder. It's going to get harder. So I have um, a new person on my team who I adore. She found us, which I love. She was graduating from college and she had gotten her degree in nutrition. She reached out, you know, I'm looking for a job um, with a company like yours. I, I love your brand. And I said, we don't need anybody like you. We're good. She followed up again a couple months later. I just want to reach out again. You know, I really would love to be considered... I was like, I don't need anybody like this. And then I ended up having an interview with her. She is extraordinary. And she is now helping with the customer service. And so she'll forward me, you know, I can't touch them all at this point. There's too many, but, um, but she brings me in as needed and, and finding people like her is a really important part of the growth of the business because it's not sustainable for me to do everything. You know, I have to have good team members that I can count on. Yeah. Also, you gave me a, a, a great uh, sort of uh, ground wars, guerrilla marketing idea, which is, yes, is it unbelievably cool if I'm standing at a grocery store and you as the founder come up and just give me some Malibu milk, but uh, we could hire ambassadors who yes. would buy the milk yes, and do, who do who would do exactly the same thing. Just go to the store, mm-hmm. hang out there for an hour. And anybody mm-hmm. that you think, you know, is, if it looks like they're buying almond milk or oat milk, just go over there and have yes. a little chat yes. with them and, and buy, you know, and buy the milk from the store. So we're not pissing the store yep. off, you know, go buy 20 right. and then give away 20 in an hour and then go to another store. Yeah. Um, yeah. We might have yeah. a lot of fun. We've doing talked that. about it. Actually, we think that that's more effective marketing right now than paying for ads on Facebook. So, 
Well, how about that? A company that wants to do mm-hmm. direct to consumer business like um, the old, the old milk man. Now we have a milk mom because mm-hmm. best, best uh, uh, to my knowledge, uh, we're the only milk company uh, started by a mom. Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. so maybe hand to hand hello and smiles, even if they are under masks, <laughs> yeah. Are, yeah. Are, are a way to get this thing done. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Brittany, obviously, I love hanging out with you. I love talking about this business with you. Um, but I know that you have an empire to create and a category to uh, <laughs> to dominate and a, and a lot of milk to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Is there anything else you'd like to ta- touch on before we wrap? Um, yes, I would like to mention that we have a very special new product Um, So we have been innovating a bit and I just came out with this idea in January. And again, I just sent Whole Foods. I had my designer on my team. I was like, can you make a coffee and matcha product mock-up? And he did a little, you know, a little drawing. I sent it to Whole Foods. I was like, what do you think about these? And they said, we want them without even trying them. And these are launching now. So they're on our website. They're live coffee and matcha flax oat lattes. They are delicious. They are creamy. They are very low in calorie. They have a little bit of caffeine, but most importantly, they are high in fiber, seven grams of fiber. And I created these because I realized that so many of my friends and family have digestive issues and they are having a cup of coffee or three in the morning to try to get their digestive system going. There's a much better way. Fiber is the answer. And so I said, well, I'm going to make a coffee and a matcha and I'm going to load these babies with inulin fiber, the cleanest fiber on the planet and the best fiber for your gut. And let me tell you, they work. These are the number one way to go number two. They are absolutely delicious and they work. (laughs) I just, I love to hear you say the number one way to go number two. Um, And that said, um, if you're somebody that is wanting to, um, I don't know how to say this politely, but sort of in a in a short time frame, um, improve the situation in your gut, it would be uh, wise to be near a restroom when you consume. <laughs> you know, everybody, it's going to affect everybody differently, but it's important that you have water when you're having fiber. So definitely make sure that you're hydrating. And yeah, I'd say you want to be somewhat in the vicinity to home so that you can let the beverage take effect. <laughs> so great. Uh, and many more innovations to come, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, Brittany, I also want to say to you, um, it has been a joy uh, working with you so far and, and your team. Likewise. I, I can't thank, thank you, you enough for including me in your business. And I'm having a blast. You're, you're, you are so much fun and and i'm learning a ton so i'm really grateful for all of your help well thank you and to and to have eddie in the mix and um yeah we we're having we're having a a ball we really are uh, we really are and i look forward to our calls and i love hearing about i mean i just i love the whole thing it i I, it's sort of you know people ask me about my work these days and it's like how's work and it's like well I need a new word for it because nothing I do feels like work in the sense that most people mean work. Because when I wake up and I see, oh, you know, we're going to have our weekly call this week or whatever it is. It's like, I can't wait to get the update from Brittany and get into whatever it is we're going to work with. So I I just want to just thank you so much for the opportunity. And it's just been so much freaking fun. And we are just getting started. We're just getting started. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brittany. Take care. Well, there she is, my friend, the absolutely legendary and inspiring Brittany Fuse. And I sure hope you enjoyed this real dialogue as much as I did. I also want to let you know we have some incredible episodes coming very shortly. Jennifer Moss, who is the author of The Burnout Epidemic. And if you heard our recent episode with Joe Sonic, the uh, author of Thursday is the New Friday, um, you know, his work is sort of in the context of you and I in our careers. Jennifer's work as it 
relates to the future of work is a little bit more pointed at what companies and executives uh, and leaders should be thinking about with their people. And it's a fascinating conversation uh, based on her fantastic book, which is coming out soon. Jennifer Moss, The Burnout Epidemic, also coming up soon. Get this. She is a self-described, quote, light-skinned black Jew, end quote. And her name is Celeste Headley, and she is fantastic. And she's got a new book coming out soon, too. And it's called Speaking of Race, Why Everybody Needs to Talk About Racism and How to Do It. And ever since we recorded that episode, I've just been uh, uh, really um, waiting with tremendous anticipation to share uh, Celeste Headley with you. All right. We would like to thank... Once again, my friend, the legendary Brittany Fuse, founder and CEO of Malibu Milk, the world's first whole plant organic flax milk. And um, my friends at Hallow App are the first real relationship app. Check out H-A-L-L-O-A-P-P.com or search Hallow App on your smartphone app store. My friends at Bottleneck.online are the world's leading distant assistant you see, they have uh, human people, <laughs> as, as people generally are, who are dedicated to you, who are technology-enabled, but are nowhere near you. Bottleneck.online, the best way to scale you. My friends at OneLifeFullyLived.org are the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. Check out the number one, LifeFullyLived.org. And my friends at NetSuite are the platform you need for building a legendary business. Check out NetSuite.com slash different. That's netsuite.com slash different. And my friends at Atranet have been building B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. Check out atre.net and get a legendary website for your business. All right, I need to remind you that this oddcast is a sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. All rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that this oddcast is created in a studio that does contain nuts, and the creators of this oddcast were absolutely consuming libations. We are produced and edited by the greatest of all time, Jason DeFilippo. Check out his podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. It's one of my top fives. Technical Awesomeness and Lockhead.com by Jamie J and Sarah Knox. Show notes by GM Simon. Remember to listen to Janice Joplin. Teach girls entrepreneurship. Don't forget to go to CategoryPirates.com and hit subscribe. Your spouse emailed and she said it was okay. Spread podcasts, not viruses. Thank you, Candy Dandy. She keeps all the trains running on time. Love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go to Scott Amalon, editor of Stink Magazine. I, I mean, Ink Magazine. Sorry, Scotty. We just ran out of time for you. Thank you so much for investing part of your life with us. Please stay healthy, stay safe, stay legendary. And until we hang out again, follow your difference.